talking about your mental health does not make you weak. Um, it's empowering if you can talk about it and move past it and let it grow you as a person and try and help other people around you because it is super prevalent and it is a really big issue. And I had at least four 13 year old girls come up to me after that and be like, I needed you to say that I needed someone to like help me in that sense. I felt alone and I'm really glad that you're able to be open about that. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. We've got a different one for you today. We've got someone that may be younger than you and has already been offered a six-figure salary by her dream employer as only a freshman in college. We're going to dig into what it takes to push yourself to excellence with Lydia Hodgson from Minnesota today, University of Minnesota. We're going to discuss mental health and coping mechanisms, and we're going to talk about being mission-focused in both work and life. This is a special person and a special show. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. All right, Lydia. Well, you sent me a little post earlier with a screenshot of your Spotify account showing that you are an avid listener of the show. We've talked about it many times. I said one day would be the day we would bring you on. And today is the day. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, Lydia, well, we're happy to have you. Lydia is just a sophomore. So we're talking about people in their 20s. We got someone barely in their 20s just a sophomore at the University of Minneapolis, majoring in retail merchandising and marketing as a double major, also as a district manager at CollegeWorks, but Lydia is the all-time record holder out of 31 years of doing business and 30,000 people we've had. There's never been anybody that did as well as Lydia did, and she put a little icing on it. She finished, like, I don't know, 50% sooner 50% 50% earlier than the previous record holders. So she got it all done in 12 weeks, took them 16, 17 weeks, all done by the time school started, $360,000, some crazy huge number at 19 and a freshman. And so we got Lydia on the show to talk about what she's doing to get ahead and move forward. But before we go way back, before we go into bringing value and positivity to the world, engaging in active waiting, living a mission-based life. Before we talk to Lydia about all that stuff, we need to get Lydia's definition of excellence. Lydia, what is your definition of excellence? Yeah, I've actually thought about this for a long time, and I thought of this in the shower one day, and it kind of just stuck. So what I think excellence is, is consistently bringing value and positivity to the world around you uh, through an outlet that you're passionate about. And in addition to that, being open to experience and grow wherever that may take you. Okay, that was pretty fast. Consistently bring value and positivity to the world was the first element. What was the second element? Um, I wrote this down. So consistently bringing value and positivity to the world around you through something that you're passionate about and being open to experience and grow wherever that might take you. Um, you know what? I'm just thinking about getting my, my, uh, my harmonica out here. Here it is my harmonica and playing because I think it brings the value of humor. Um, I think it's positive, pretty passionate about learning the harmonica so I could play with Kennedy at some point in time. I'm open to that experience but I'm really horrible at it. So how do you couple consistently bringing value and positivity through your passion, open to experience? How do you couple that with having to be good at it if you're excellent? Or does it just come? That's the thing. If you're passionate about something, it's something that you spend time on. And I think that 
practice doesn't necessarily mean perfect in any or in every respect, but I would say that practice definitely makes you better. And as long as you're consistently growing at what you're doing, you have the potential to be great at it. Okay. So you're talking, there's internal excellence before external excellence. And if you get there internally, you think you'll get there eventually externally. Yeah. I think if you tell yourself that you're going to get somewhere and you put the effort in to get there, typically you're going to get there. And if you're not at that specific goal, um, kind of just relaying back to my definition of excellence, being able to accept where that takes you in a direction that makes you happy and that you are good at. What's an example of something that you consistently bring value in, that you're passionate about, you're open to experience, but you weren't good at something important you weren't good at that you're now good at? Yeah, for sure. Um, So I guess one thing that I wouldn't say I was great at was finding and making new friends. Um, I grew up in a town of about 1800 people. So I graduated with 58 kids, all of who I grew up with. um, And I was kind of just paired with those people from the get go in preschool and graduated with all of them. So I never really had to branch out and make new friends. And then I came down to college where the class size that I'm in now is bigger than the town that I actually grew up in. So it was kind of overwhelming for me to be able to actually get out and make friends. But I am a very extroverted person, um, which kind of just led me to be passionate about finding good connections and about finding good people that I want to place myself around. Um, And when I kind of leaned into that, uh, just did some research on how to make friends, which sounds super nerdy, but it was something that I needed at the time and just started putting myself in positions where I was going to meet new people. So going to different clubs, um, talking to existing friends that I had had around the area and getting to meet their friends and kind of just finding new avenues to develop myself in that sense, even if it wasn't something I was necessarily comfortable with. All right. And that's a weird example, but I would say that you're excellent at relationship management. And I would say, why is that? I think I'm good at it too. I think maybe it's similar reason. You don't seem to ever care what's in it for you. You seem to be, and you sent me your bio. Um, there was something in your bio that caught me, but you, you seem to be out there just to enjoy, explore, broaden, help, sincere. Oh, it was your mission orientation. So we're, I'm, I'm going off topic. We're going to get into your mission orientation because you struck me with that. Uh, we're going to get into, um, what would you say? You said uh, active waiting. We're going to get into active waiting, whatever the hell that is. We're going to get into uh, you know, your work ethic and, um, and pulling people together, which I read in your bio. But before I do, I want to go back to that little teeny tiny high school. And it, it was outside of Duluth, right? Uh, it was actually... At the very top of Minnesota. So the little chimney looking thing at the very top. Um, I'm from a town called War Road. Like I said, pretty small. It's about five miles from Canada and about two hours from the nearest target. So kind of the middle of nowhere, but right on the Canadian border. So what was life like there? You kind of already described it. But how did you see yourself? And how did you find your path? And I know, I, I think I asked you this before. You weren't kicking all sorts of butt in high school or were you? No, no, okay. I was not. So how did you see yourself in high school and how did you find your path and kind of have this exchange? And I got to do kind of a little notation for the group. I met Lydia a year. No, I met Lydia 11 months ago, 10 months ago. And it was at, I was in a hotel and I heard this treadmill running and I'm like, who the hell is running on that? And it was Lydia and Lydia came to the training and Lydia was very outgoing. And I should have had you record my podcast on relationship management, very outgoing everyone's friend instantaneously very but not a friend in like a soliciting friendship a friend and interested and interesting not one way not like just talk at us but interested and interesting this this instant uh mutual relationship uh and then lydia did really really well and i don't remember if she did bad at first or just went straight into doing well and it was super bionic organization, time management, and I think active waiting, which I'm going to let Lydia, I don't know what it is, but I think I know what it is. Um, and then I, towards the end of the summer, because Lydia was the best in the, ever, uh, we had a lot of contact. So we would talk once in a while. And at the end of the summer, Lydia told me that she was introverted, which I think most business people are, they just pretend. And that she wasn't, I said, I think I said, 
I bet you were the super popular person in high school. You just carried this out. She said, no, I actually wasn't. So what was life like in high school and what the hell happened? How all of a sudden when I met you, did you seem like years of experience in being able to handle yourself in the limelight, we'll say. Uh, and really there was no experience. Yeah. So uh, as far as high school went and as far as I saw myself in high school, it was not a good look for me. Um, in high school, I guess going back to where it's relevant, I grew up in a home with a dad who never went to college and a mom who was a school teacher. So not a lot of income there. So my dad would work like four jobs at a time. I remember him coming home one day um, and telling me, you know what, anyone can call me anything they want to, but they can never call me lazy. And that's something that I just internalized as a person going forward. And I also had a brother who has low functioning autism. So with him, it was very strict schedules, always knowing where you needed to be at what time. Um, and just getting very statistically oriented. So I kind of paired those things together, realized I wanted to go into business. And that's kind of the direction it was leading me to. And my grandma used to be a designer. So I always knew I wanted to go into fashion. So kind of just set myself on that track. I got a couple internships. I worked in human resources. I worked in marketing just to kind of feel out what I wanted to do with um, my career. And from there, it kind of solidified into the marketing realm. I really love that experience and the psychological analysis that goes along with that playing into that fashion role and did my research into kind of directing me towards where I wanted to go in a degree path. But as far as who I was as a person, and how I saw myself, I definitely didn't see myself in a very great respect. Because like I said, I was a very statistically oriented person and around sixth grade that kind of took a turn for the worse. Um, throughout high school, I struggled a lot with eating disorders and kind of just mental health in general. And in my senior year of high school, I got pulled out of school halfway through, didn't get to finish my senior dance season, which I was the captain of, and I didn't get to do my golf season and got kind of pulled away from my high school in general and moved two hours away to a little small town in North Dakota where I had to be placed in a hospital bed for two months. And they basically told me that if I didn't change anything, I was going to die. And that's kind of something that's really hard to take on as an 18 year old, uh, just facing your mortality like that. And it really led me um, post treatment to be able to come out of that and share my experience with other people um, and kind of gain a passion for mental health as well, just to be a light in the life of the people around me. But also, um, I didn't have a ton of confidence uh, coming out of that, just being that I hadn't really experienced that since sixth grade. So coming off to college, I knew what I wanted to be, but I had no idea who I wanted to be or how I was going to get there. Um, so first couple of months of my semester, first year of college were pretty rough, didn't exactly have any direction, kind of just was trying to find something to cling on to to give me some direction. I joined a business frat, I made a couple friends, uh, went to a couple business clubs because I knew that it was something that I really enjoyed. Um, and from there, things kind of took off once I got an internship. But I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't know you wanted to go there. Do you want to go there? What? Do you want to share all that? Yeah. Okay. That's my biggest thing is when I was in, like, not for the purpose of the recording, but when I was in high school, um, like after I got out of that treatment, I came back to my dance team and I had open conversations with everyone there because they all struggled with something very similar, just being that we were all in the dance community, which is really prevalent for that. And I remember sitting down and they like had done this dance for me. I got back and I didn't get to perform my senior solo because I was on like bed rest. And they, well, I was sitting in the stands and they like flash mobbed me and brought me in and I got to do a senior dance and things like that. And after that, I kind of just gave them a little bit of a lowdown on a speech. And I was like, just know that like talking about your mental health does not make you weak. Um, it's empowering if you can talk about it and move past it and let it grow you as a person and try and help other people around you because it is super prevalent and it is a really big issue. And I had at least four 13 year old girls come up to me after that and be like, I needed you to say that I needed someone to like help me in that sense. I felt alone and I'm really glad that you're able to be open about that. So that is like a huge thing with me being able to talk about that kind of thing. But if that's not like, where you want to go, I can. No, talk no, no. I'm, I'm glad we talk about it, and uh, I'm glad you pretended like this part's not going to be in the podcast because that last part's going to be in the podcast. And I do the same thing. Unfortunately, it's not for me; it's for Jill because Jill struggled with postpartum depression and then anxiety and depression, 
And that helps a lot of people because identification of whatever the issue is, is like 90% of the battle. So I appreciate you sharing that. And we won't make the whole, the whole podcast about that, but I think it's interesting. You hit a couple things there. You, you, you're, you're finding mentors. So, um, my, my dad, uh, went to Notre Dame to become a priest and obviously didn't become a priest or I wouldn't be here. And, you know, he come out of Notre Dame with a theology degree, kind of difficult. So he also worked different jobs. He was a teacher. He worked the grain machine that gets the grain. He drove the truck that delivers the grain and he was a bus driver and it was 4 a.m. till 10 p.m. Never forgot that mentorship. He didn't come out and say that directly, but it was the value of hard work. Now, your dad spelled it out for you. I have a value of not being lazy. It's one of my biggest values, and I live it every single day, and it sat with you. So you've got this hardworking value. Now, somebody else listening right now may not have that parental mentor or may not have a sibling that's a mentor in that way, but they can look for other people to help them see the value of hard work maybe at work or elsewhere. Then you, you mentioned another thing. Your, your brother had autism, which I think the way your mind works, and this is the hard part. How do you take something like, okay, here's a challenge. My brother has autism and, oh, now I have to be organized and now I have to do everything on time and, and why me? And you turn it into, shit, I learned how to be really organized, be on time, never be late because you paid a real price, right? It really disturbed your brother if you didn't have your stuff together. Now that's helped you later in life because it disturbs clients, it disturbs coworkers, it disturbs superiors, but you're using that issue and then the mental health challenge to kind of fuel this change and fuel this positivity. What do you do when faced with real stuff, like real stresses in the world? What do you do to turn it positive and make it a learning lesson. As another side note, we haven't even gotten to the script yet, so we're still on tangent after tangent. Um, what do you do to do that? Um, honestly, when I face challenges, it can be really stressful just because I'm a human being. Um, but just being able to take a step back, take a couple deep breaths and remind yourself of what's important in your life. So the people around you, how is it affecting them outside of just you? Because it's not all about you. Um, thinking about what positive outcome this could have and how you're going to face this challenge to make it better. Um, because typically there's no room with every door completely closed. And if there is, there's always windows. Um, being able to get yourself out of a bad situation, but also understanding that challenges are there for a reason. Um, it's so you can grow. And that kind of leads back to that active waiting thing that I'm sure we'll get into at some point, but just being able to accept where your life takes you, whether that's hard at the time, just realizing that it's not always going to be like that and that there's a reason for that. Okay. All right. So you get through this high school and I didn't know we were going to talk about that. I knew that. I didn't know anybody knew that too. I, I know that there's a couple people that knew that. I didn't know a lot of people knew that. Um, you had a rough summer before, before freshman year college, you go to college freshman year, and um, you, you'd had other internships and other jobs you mentioned. What were the other things you'd done before you did the college works gig? Uh, I had worked in marketing and PR for a year. So I got to be able to develop my own or not develop my own, but be able to work on a team to develop a marketing campaign um, to bring people into our town. Um, just kind of trying to develop our economy. That was a whole section of the company I worked for had. So being able to sit in on brand campaigns, give kind of a useful insight to that, work on community events. And that was really, really fun for me. That's kind of where it sparked my passion for marketing. Uh, just because I realized that there was a lot more that went into it than that. And I also worked in human resources, which was kind of out of pocket for me. But um, what I've been looking for for a really long time was just some versatility to the what I could bring to a company, just being more of an asset, just being able to know as many things as possible. So I placed myself in that position, got to work there for a year, and that was super fun. I love the people that I worked with. And it was interesting insight to just how a business operates on the people side. And it was a, it was a, for the city government? It was for a business you were working? It was actually for a company called Marvin Windows. Basically, kind of, uh, or basically it's a really big custom window manufacturer. Um, and they are pretty much the basis of our entire economy in Warroad. So... They have a lot of community outreach programs that they allow high school students to do internships. So that's who I did that for. Okay, that's cool. So you you went for versatility, I think, 
to try and figure out what you like and you didn't like. Is that what it was? You you wanted versatility, so you have a bunch of experiences and marketing. Yes, I like that. HR, no, I don't like that. And and business, yes, I like. But another thing, no, I don't like. Is that what you were doing to figure yourself out in high school? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you have this epiphany, and your parents come to you and say, "Hey, sweetie, it's time to take care of yourself." You spend the summer doing that, have kind of a miraculous turnaround. And then you go as a freshman to college and you decided to do the college works thing. What happened with that? Uh, so basically how it started out, I went through the interview process, uh, got hired on and I went down to that training. I remember specifically getting there and we saw that the hot tub was closed. So I go, yeah, I'm going to go for a run because I didn't know anyone there. And then that kind of unfolded that whole situation. But I got there and my main mindset with that was, Again, kind of leaning into that friendship thing because I hadn't made a ton of friends at college um, and I knew I was going to be working with these kids. So just being able to kind of connect with those people around me, just knowing that they're high like high achieving individuals as well, um, surrounding myself with people that are like me and that will benefit me as a person is always something that I'm looking for. So being able to connect with people around me was a really great thing that gave me a boost of confidence just going in and the competitive nature there as well. I remember sitting there with some kids on my team and making bets of who is going to do better and just like chirping each other back and forth in a playful manner. But really getting to know the kids that I'm working with was a really big thing. But kind of going into that, um, I still didn't have a ton of confidence, but I've also learned to be able to fake it until I make it sometimes. Um, just being able to tell myself that I am. Um, and I went in there and we started out. I remember first weekend going out, um, doing the marketing thing. And it's always a struggle. But that's the thing is throughout the program, I was able to prove to myself that I am more and that I can do more and that I can be more than I ever gave myself credit for. And that was a huge thing for me. Also being able to kind of just give myself that confidence of talking to different people and being able to realize the EQ that I do have um, and the people that I can make connections with, even if I do know nothing about them, because really it all comes down, whether it's in sales, whether it's in your personal life, whether it comes down to anything, it's the questions that you ask people. And it's the way you carry yourself in social settings to be able to make connections and to be able to be a likable person, but not for the other people for yourself. Um, And kind of just proving to myself that I have a work ethic like no other. Um, It's something that I found that I pride myself on. And Honestly, just going throughout the program, realizing on a deeper level, the aspects of me that make me great, um, that I was never really able to recognize before, because I had never really found something that I was extremely great at or the best at. I'd always been fairly average, like good, but average good at a lot of different things that I had tried. And this was kind of the first place where I was passionate about something and I got really good at it. Um, And From there, I just got to build a lot of confidence, figure out who I am kind of as a person um, in more ways than I would expect, just being that it was an internship. (laughs) But I guess that would probably. And is it Patty? Is is your mom's name Patty? Yes. And is it Frank? Is that your dad's name? Pete. Pete. Patty and Pete. So this work ethic that, that Pete stuck you with. Way back when, shout out to Pete. And and I, God, I hope active waiting is every time everybody else is waiting, you're going to get a bunch of shit done because that's what I think active waiting is. Don't tell me. That's what I think it is. But this work ethic that your dad gave you, my dad gave me, and then your mom, well, first of all, wise people to make that call, which we've already talked about before, get your daughter straightened out. And then that support really helped. What would have happened if you didn't have patty and pete's support during the summer because sometimes the interns don't get support like my wife's mom would be like hey quit that horrible job that guy's a loser my wife's mom said that um what what would happen if uh they weren't supporting you honestly i feel like that would hit me really hard just because i am very family oriented um once i threw myself into it though i don't think anyone could have tore me from that pursuit just because of how much it meant to me um, just on a personal level and on a professional level, but it definitely would have been a lot harder just being that 
the people that care about you the most are the people that you seek validation from the most. So I think that it would definitely be discouraging. But also I'm the kind of person to where if someone tells me I can't, I have to. So I'm not sure how that would have played out for me, but I know that it definitely wouldn't have felt good. <laughs> Maybe some adult conversations would have happened where you would have uh, sh- uh, shined even brighter and made them even more impressed when you explained that you would thought everything out and you had a whole plan and maybe you would have convinced them. So you uh, you talked about uh, struggling. Um, when you're in a struggle, you say to yourself or you said real quickly, I am more, I'm able to do more. And I'm able to be more. Do you say that all the time or did that just come out this one time? Is that like a mantra of yours? That's a little bit of a mantra of mine that came about. Um, I am more. I'm able to do more. I can be more. Yeah, it's a little bit of a mantra now. I kind of said that at the end of the summer when I was like writing up what it meant to me because I think it was Mason or someone asked me to like or what it meant to me. And that was something that came out. And from then I kind of just rolled with that and i feel like it's pretty good depiction okay so we'll just flag that too you know people are listening they're progressing through their 20s they're headed off to into careers or they're about to change careers and there's things that work for you and so you've got these little things that work for you like you you're kind of in this shell you're, you're huge transition from this teeny little town where you're kind of average and you have this kind of big deal in life right before you go to college and you go to one college you decide you don't want to be there you go to another college um but there's some skill and there's the work ethic and i'm just i have written down in my notes aspects of me that make me great i'm just thinking what are they uh there's obviously the work ethic and i used to call you up go hey how do you do how did you do this well i just do what you guys tell me and everybody else i think they're just not doing it because i just start at 8 a.m and i go till 8 p.m and i don't stop and what do you know? I do five times as much as everybody else. And I look and I look at the numbers. I mean, the average person, we say it's 20 hours of work minimum, but the average person's working like 13 hours. Like, this is to set you up for life and you're going to work 13 hours a week? Come on. So you, you got that hard work ethic, but there's something about this quick to grasp, quick to adjust, quick to implement, and then reset. Because you try different things, right? Like you're one of the best people I've ever seen. Any you go to Cancun within a Within two hours, 100 people in Cancun have already met you. They're already friends with you. You go, I mean, anywhere you go, now you're like one of the best at making friends. You didn't used to be good at making friends. Um, you tried out a bunch of different jobs. You were average at everything. And then you said, oh, I, I found the one thing I could be good at. This isn't one thing. This is organization, time management, perseverance, um, communication skills, uh, um, sales skills, management skills, hiring, all these interpersonal skills, EQ. So that's a lot of things to be good at. What do you do to stop and say, okay, I'm not good. I figured something out. And then when you figure something out to turn it into a mantra or a way of being or a system, what are you doing to consciously just grow so fast? Because that's what you're doing. I think because you're conscious, better throw Patty in here. She better give you something here because you already threw a lot at Pete. Um, I think you must be conscious of, I need to take this and turn it into something. And everybody's got the seeds, but all your seeds are sprouting because I think you're fertilizing the shit out of them. There's a great analogy. Uh, what do you What do you do to like grasp it and go, okay, that worked. I'm going to use it. I'm going to make it better. And then just keep adjusting and going. Wish people could see me because I'm getting my arm in here. This is my gift. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to ice myself after this. I don't know if you were leading it here, but this is exactly what active waiting is. I don't um, know what active waiting is. That's what I've been waiting for actively. <laughs> no. So that's kind of what I would say that is, is I try out a million different things. I don't know exactly where I'm going at the time. I have big aspirations. And if you don't have specific goals in mind, I think the biggest thing that you can do for yourself is just try a million different things. And when you find something that is working well, implement that in the other aspects of your life. So let's say that you do sales, find out you're really good at communication, apply that to making friends, apply that to your classes, Um, just being able to apply yourself in some sense, because I find that that's a lot of that's something that a lot of college students don't do is working the part time job and getting the office internship and going through life just as they're supposed to. And I think that the biggest thing that you can do is do something right. like do something where you're challenging yourself because that way you're going to learn and you're just going to inadvertently bring that with you into the next thing that you do. 
So the biggest thing that you can do for yourself is get out there, do something, make sure you're passionate about it because that's what's going to bring you the most joy. And that's also what's going to make you learn the most because you're going to pour time into it because you want to. So really just getting out there, find something that you have a niche in and developing off of that. And you're going to unintentionally just carry those skills into other aspects of your life. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. Okay, so active waiting is you're patiently waiting for the end vision to become clear. And while you're doing that, you're active to create the clarity. Did I get that? Am I capturing it right? Yeah, yeah sort of. So active waiting, well, I like to no. think of means as, no. <laughs> <laughs> active waiting, I like to think of as kind of an oxymoron because waiting is waiting and being active is being active. But active waiting is kind of more of a mindset in at least my brain. Um, so doing something, working hard in something that you care about with no general direction uh, specifically, I guess. So not necessarily working towards a specific goal if you don't have one, but applying yourself in some sense in something that you care about so that you can get to that specific goal. Um, I guess in my mind, good things do come to those who wait, but I feel like great things come to those who don't. Um, so just being able to get out there and do something to develop yourself and that will bring good things. So there's a my my great friend Sanjay Kapoor, who I love so much and I haven't seen for so long because he lives in India and he does swing by the U.S. but for like twelve hours at a time. Um, he taught me the the philosophy of karma yoga, and that is if you have clarity of intent, like you really know what your intention is, and you've sometimes that means breaking it all down and really making it clear. You have purity of heart, which you do or you don't, and you have sincerity of action. Then you let go of the process, and that's karma yoga from Hindu. You let go of the process, let go of the outcome, and enjoy the process. And it sounds like you're saying the same thing. It's kind of it's very Zen. You're saying the same thing instead of, but with no intention. It's just let go and get the most out of the process. So we have a long way to go. And even if we do have a clear intention, I I have no doubt you're going to be a famous fashion designer. I have no doubt that you're either going to be way up there in uh, some organization to where they make you the absolute leader or you'll start your own organization. I have no doubt. Um, but on the off chance that that doesn't happen, you're going through the process and enjoying the process and getting as much out. And I and the active part I heard is then you take these skills that you develop and apply them to different areas. So you're kind of developing personal competencies or personal core competencies that you can layer somewhere else. So if I can make friends here, I can make friends at work. If I can make friends here and at work, I can make friends at the UN when I'm an ambassador. If I can do those three things, I can make friends at the White House when I'm president. So you're taking these core competencies. You might go that far. Um, you're taking these core competencies, personal core competencies that really may not be core competencies, that they're, they're competencies and learning how to apply them in different areas and you're kind of letting go of the Instagram bullshit, 20-year-old dance captain crap you had to deal with all your life and saying, I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going to set some ridiculous goal that may or may not happen. I know you've got them, I and mean, you've told me many times, but you're not overdoing it. You're going through the process of learning and growing to be, to be able to apply that to anything. Is that right? Yeah. 
absolutely. I would say so. Not many. You're 19. I'm 20 now, but yeah. Oh, thank God, because it shows for people in their 20s. Um, not, <laughs> not, pe- not many people in their 20s uh, come up with these mantras and these sayings. And I do the same thing. At one point in time, I started copywriting them, which was a bad idea. I spent a lot of money on that. Didn't need to. Um, you just put them into a book later on. All right. So you go to college. You decide, I'm diving in. What, you, you decided to do the college works thing, which is a real challenge. It's not impossible. Lots of freshmen do it, but I'm glad I was a junior and I'd gotten through my bullshit. So you must have been a little bit more mature, ready to work hard. Um, you chose college works as opposed to something else. Then you went through the year and you had the best year anybody ever had. And um, kind of a weird thing for you. And I know you and I talked about uh, having to deal with the weird, like kind of mini fame. It's like when you're chairman of the board of something, you're like mini famous and people are coming over to you all the time. So you had this great experience. Um, was it surprising? And a lot of times I'm talking to people that are CEOs of big organizations, like, hey, you surprised you're successful. But yours happened over the last few years over the first few years of your life was it surprising i would say that i wasn't surprised that i did well i was surprised that i broke all the records and that i got to a point where uh i did have that little mini fame i guess which not to be arrogant but <laughs> kind of um i guess i always knew the value of hard work like i said i always knew the value of applying myself so i knew that i was going to be successful in some sense but i never really realized that it would be this early on in my life and um, that it would be in something as specific to what I want to do as this. Um, So definitely didn't see myself where I'm at right now. But I guess with the work that I put in and the support that I had, and um, I guess just the way that I proved things to myself, I am not surprised now. But if you would have told me a year ago that this is the position I would have been in, I would have told you you're crazy. Okay. All right. Well, that's what happens. Um, uh, I don't remember. It was, I'm not even going to get into that. I'm not going to talk about picking favorites at trainings. But uh, you're, you're, you talked in your bio about your mission for yourself that guides you. And again, maybe you listen to this podcast all the time, I know. But like you should maybe write the podcast because there's another thing. Thank God someone sat me down and said, hey, what's your mission, mission, vision, values? And I can see it on my bar wall from this home office I'm in posted there. My kids know and they get a little head start because we've talked about family values. We've talked not only about that, though, about our vision and mission, what a vision and mission is, because I think that's important to know in your 20s. And you you consider yourself mission oriented and then you talk about your mission guides you and applies to work and your personal life. So what do you mean by that? What's your mission? How'd you develop it? Why do you have it? Yeah, I guess my mission has always just been kind of like my definition of excellence to bring value, to bring positivity to the world around me, just because that's a need that I see in the world. Um, and I guess that's just always been who I am as a person. That's who I was raised to be. Uh, my mom is a special education teacher. She doesn't get paid that much, but she puts her absolute, she busts her ass in what she does. And she is great at it. And it's so insane to see these kids that are nonverbal becoming the kind of kids that come up to me and start having conversations. So being able to see things like that growing up to just really showed me that the value you bring to the world is a lot more important than any monetary value or any words you could say. Um, everything is spoken through action. So really just being able to lean into that and use my actions and use my career path and use my skills to make the world a better place than it was before I was here, because I feel like that's the best thing you can do, uh, because it is fulfilling. And that's something where I found true joy, um, which is a pretty unique thing. Um, just being able to be truly happy with where you're at. And that's kind of what I wanted to find for my career. So kind of just leaning into how I can bring value into the world. Uh, I look back at the struggles that I've had, and I look back at the things that I'm good at. And that kind of led me to um, the fashion and marketing aspects, just because there is a lot of community. Um, There's a lot of people. uh, There's a lot of creativity and connections along with those things. And those are things that I value very much. So just realizing that my need for people is there and my need for creativity is there. And that kind of led me to my career goals. 
Um, but that also applies to my personal life as well. And being able to empower people through those things, um, being able to contribute something to the world where people look at that and feel inspired by it. Uh, that's just something that I want to do personally. And that ties back to my personal values. And that leads me to where I want to be, um, just in a career sense, I think. Well, first of all, shout out to Patty. She had to wait till the 41st minute of the podcast. Just uh, as a side note to Patty, there's never been 41 minutes I've talked to your daughter without her saying a nice thing about you. That's the longest I've had to wait. Um, so you have this mission and you said, I think you said for as long as I could remember, my mission has always been. That's what you said. What do you mean your mission has always been? Five years ago, your mom was ironing your clothes for you and buttoning up your lunch pail and sending you off to school. Maybe not five years, 10 years ago. How has it always been your mission? How long have you had a mission? And when did you even think about having one? I guess I didn't realize it was my mission, but I've always been the kind of person to need to make people laugh, to need to make people smile, uh, to want to help out and do that kind of thing. And that's just how I was raised. That's always the person that I've been. But it kind of just came down to when I got to college and when I got to talking about my mission as a person, when I had to really focus on who I wanted to be. Um as a person, as opposed to just a professional. Um, that's kind of when I sat down and narrowed it down for myself. As is that to, what as a person I, means? I was like, is, what am I really doing here? <laughs> as a person, you keep saying as a person and I, and I help people get into college and I delete the phrase as a person out of like maybe 10 kids essays every year is as a person. I'm like, why do you keep saying as a person? So for, for the Gen Z as a person, that's a person as opposed to a professional. Is that why they're saying it? They don't want to be the say, professional. I would say as a person is kind of just a reference to who I am raw as a human being rather than what my specific Is that because of Instagram and people have a, a Instagram person and then they have a work person and then there's the real person. And that's why they say as a person. Honestly, yeah, it gives the same vibes as speaking your truth. Ooh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm no longer to be critical of that phrase. I'm sorry that you and your cohorts have been raised in the Instagram era. So you you have this mission, uh, bring value, bring positivity in the world. Then you have these kind of values, hard work, integrity, contribution. I added one that you didn't mention just now, uh, overachieving. Um, <laughs> and so you're, and you're vetting, so you're constantly, and I just want to think of something for the listeners. What can you do? Can you sit down and think of your three best ideas every day? Can you sit down and think about what the struggle that you went through and how can you grow from it? Can you sit down and think about what's the moral in this pain? What can someone do to take whatever happens to them and turn it into a lesson or a mantra or a value? I honestly would say just post the fact of you went through something, sit down and think about the little things that went into it and what it took to get out of that. And what are you good at and what did it teach you? But also one thing that I found to be really beneficial was talking to the people that I love and that have been around me and asking like, what about me is great. <laughs> I could tell you what about you is great, but what have I brought to the table that you love about me? Um, and being able to kind of lean on those things. If you need outside validation, if you can't think of it for yourself, ask people, what do you bring into their lives? Um, like, why do you hang around me? <laughs> and kind of just leaning into that and realizing through those social connections and through those things that you bring into other people's lives, what those can also do for you um, and how you can really play to those to your advantage um, and craft kind of who you've already been acting as and realizing what your values have been and what they can evolve to be. Um, so it's it's bravery. It's it's yeah. like you have like a a, a a contributional bravery, like you want to contribute, but you're brave enough to check in to see if you are contributing. Yeah, pretty much just being open to what other people have to say, but also kind of just realizing uh, when it comes down to it, who do you want to be? Mm. Who do you want to be? Not what. Who? That's the difference nowadays. People worry about what they want to be. And they worry about what they want to look like and they forget about the community and lifting the world and the bigger picture. Who do you want to be as a person and <laughs> as an Instagram person and as a professional? Cause it's all the same. I don't, I don't put yeah. myself up on Instagram 
showing. I don't put the awesome things I do on Instagram because I don't want people to see that and go, oh, that sucks. I'm not doing that. Like I just put the normal stuff because it's just weird, right? So who do you want to be? All right. So you're missing your professional in your professional career and your life is to make a world better place than it was before you got there. You doing it a little drop at a time, a big drop at a time and working your way up to that president of the United States role where you get to do it a whole country at a time. You also talked, and I know we're running late, fear of staying the same. Um, how explain, explain that in a way that from your experience, what, what can someone else take away from your fear of staying the same that they could use after listening to this podcast? I think fear of staying the same is also kind of a touchy subject. So I should like preface that with fear of staying the same isn't necessarily fear of staying the same because you don't like who you are now. Fear of staying the same in the sense that you love who you are now and you know that you have a lot more potential and being able to grow on that and not wanting to plateau where you're at um, is the biggest thing. So just being able to look for the next step when you're satisfied with where you're at or where you're at, um, and being able to seek out that next step when you're liking how your life is going because the reason you like where your life is going is because you've been consistently growing. So just being able to continue to do that. Um, and overall, just not staying the same for the sake of the fact that you don't have to, that life is constantly changing, so you shouldn't. All right. So your goal, and this is interesting, by the way, Lydia was offered a six-figure salary as a sophomore in college to work and go to school at the same time in the fashion industry and decided she didn't want to do that uh, because she felt like you know working for another year with her current employer was a better training. But your dream is to one day be in the fashion industry. Um, you talked about your grandmother was a designer. You didn't say designer, though. You said creative director. Why creative director and not designer or something else in the fashion industry? Yeah, so I'm really bad at sewing. <laughs> and I really didn't, like, I don't enjoy it that much. So I didn't want to lean into the design role because that's just not something that intrigues me super much. But um, as far as the marketing goes and as far as the fashion goes, that's kind of where that intersects. So really just being able to um, work hands-on with directing magazine covers or fashion shows, working with designers to create a brand image um, and being able to uh, kind of cultivate what we want our brand to say and what we want our brand to be. Um, so just going into that creative nature again, going into the community, people are a huge thing. That's the directive of the whole position. Um, and the confidence, being able to bring that to other people is something that really called out to me. So I am really excited to kind of get going in that direction uh, when the time comes. But that is kind of what drew me to that position and how I kind of landed on that was I just did a lot of research on the different careers that I could go down because I knew fashion, I knew marketing, and that's where I just focused my research on. And I came across that and absolutely how much loved that. How much research? How much research have you done? How many hours? I, I actually took a class in high school that was called design a class where basically you got to design your own class, exactly what it sounds like. And I turned that entire class into a career search. Okay. So how many hours do you have into this career search by 18 years old? Hmm, probably like 50, 60 maybe. Okay, so I have a new episode coming out on how to crush the job hunt process where I recommend that you spend an hour a week if you're a freshman in college researching so you can have the definitive answer that Lydia just gave. You're not going to figure out what you're going to do. So she did 50 hours before she got out of high school and has talked to, you talked to Lisa. She's been doing a lot of research since then. So probably another 50 hours to keep cementing what it is she wants to try second. She's trying this business executive thing first here. She's going to try this second. Probably stick there forever, but it takes effort. It takes being an overachiever. That's another one of your values I mentioned. I'm making your list for you. Uh, it takes being an overachiever um, to figure out what you want to do with your life. And I, I have seen people stumble into it. I wanted to be a lawyer. I stumbled, stumbled into this business thing. Worked out for me. But a better way is to put some time in and make sure you're starting off on the right foot. Um, what are the questions I have for you? I was going to ask you if you're surprised where you're at. I already know you are. Oh, I, I know my favorite question. You, usually it's like looking back. My parents went to Mallorca and I didn't get to go. And I did this stupid painter thing instead. And thank God I skipped the trip to Spain. 
you know, that's, that's the question. What's the big regret you have, but you, your life is a little shorter. So not big regret, but the big sacrifice you made that you don't regret. So looking back at your long, 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 long life, there's some sacrifices that you made where something awesome was going to happen. You didn't do it for something not so awesome or whatever it is. What sacrifice did you make that you would go back and tell yourself, I guess it would be a year or two ago, um, your 20 something self, uh, I guess your teen something self, uh, that, that you would say, go ahead and do it. That was the best sacrifice I ever made. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually talking to some of my friends the other day about this, um, just talking about sacrifice and what actually that means. And kind of to me, sacrificing seems like something that you're giving up that would be painful to give up. And as far as like the typical answer of like, I gave up partying in high school or like not in high school, in college um, and uh, different things like that, giving up the weekends, it didn't feel like a sacrifice at the time just because I knew the end vision. But um, and it's also something that I didn't necessarily sacrifice because I earned that back at a later time. Um, but as far as the biggest sacrifice that I would say I made is just giving up my ego um, to be able to accept help um, and accept the ideas of other people. Um, I've always been very, very independent. I've always been the kind of person to need to do it myself because I'm a very type A kind of person. And I had the belief for a really long time that the only one that's going to do it the best and that's going to care the most is going to be me. Um, and just relying on myself to do that. But kind of just being able to, once I was out of high school, um, is kind of where this really developed, but being able to take the advice of other people, ask other people for help, um, because you can't always do it alone. You can't. But you shouldn't because you don't need to. And it's going to make your life a living hell. So being able to ask for help, accept help, and think of it as teamwork, not a weakness. All right. Okay. Well, Patty, Pete, you guys raised an inspiring and respected daughter. Wise, generous, and dedicated. We appreciate you loaning her to us for at least a couple of years. Uh, Lydia, it's been a pleasure. I've only known you for 11 months, but you've now made me cry twice. Once in Mexico, once just now. Um, you didn't even notice. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the Edge of Excellence. It's been a pleasure having you here today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Good time. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.